Hey guys, so when we get into another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real, it's a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. Again, you guys find the podcast on YouTube or anywhere else you can get your podcast, and we're just so thankful you guys are here and that you guys are with us today. Okay, so this one's a little bit different. This is just going to be audio today. I'm not in the studio. I'm actually recording at my place right now. Uh, here in the Midwest, we've had some pretty bad weather, um, so we've had some we had a little bit of snow, some really, really, really cold weather. So I'm here at my apartment just with my Bible out here. got my computer, got my coffee, and I still want to be here to conversate with you guys. And I'm thankful that we still have the ability to be together and to conversate. And based off of uh, putting this topic out on social media, I think people are excited for this one. So I'm excited to still be here with you guys, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Okay, so here's where we're going with this one today. So while you guys are getting your Bibles out, you're driving, you know, maybe you're at the gym, whatever that you're doing, as we're kind of getting prepped to start this conversation, here's where I want to start this. And I think after this, you'll start to understand where we're going. So yesterday, after a service, I went to a restaurant with some of the members, and this restaurant is called Pickleman's. So it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a pizza place and a sub place kind of mixed together, right? Two of my favorite things, right? So I love going to that place. So we went there, we enjoyed each other's fellowship. It was, it was a great time. But there's an instance that happened in that restaurant yesterday that kind of stuck in my mind. So I'm in line, and this is kind of one of those places where you kind of walk through the line, they make it while you're walking through the line, and then by the time you get to the register, it's basically almost done, right? So I'm sitting there, I made my order, I'm just kind of walking through, being patient, and there's a couple that's in front of me. And this couple is kind of like, I would probably say mid-20s to late-20s to maybe early-30s, right? And so this couple, everything to them seemed fresh. Now, what do I, what do I mean by that, by fresh? You guys know, like, you, you maybe you're at a restaurant or you're at the park or you're in public and you see a couple together and all they do together, they don't talk. There's no conversation. There's no laughter. There's no, you don't see that enjoyment of them being with one another. They're both just on their phones. Right. We, we've all seen that. So when you get to know somebody for a certain period of time, you know, when it's years and years and years, sometimes it can it can get stale. This is why I mean by their relationship was fresh. And when I mean fresh, I mean, like it may have been like that day fresh. It, it was ridiculous. And here's why I say this. So the girl was like probably five, 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 six. And the guy was like uh like six one six two, and you guys remember if you don't look up a picture of when the rock played Hercules, <laughs> that's what the guy looked like. I was like, this dude is i mean i'm in my mind I'm calling him I don't know the guy I'm calling him Hercules like I know him, so I'm like, bro, that's Hercules in front of me, and so the girl's looking at him, and the girl is I'm telling you guys she was so focused on him. That she was just she was just so giddy to be around him, right? She couldn't really hide her excitement. Now I could tell from the guy's perspective, he was trying to kind of keep it chill, but you could tell he was excited too. But he was he was trying to keep it on the low. He's like, I, I gotta I gotta play this cool, right? So I mean, she's looking at him, she's looking up at him, she's smiling at him. It got to the point, guys, where she was so focused on this guy, she was so focused on Hercules <laughs> that sometimes she wouldn't even move in front of the line. And so y'all know me, y'all know I'm silly. So in my mind, I'm like, bro, the last time somebody looked at me like that was when 
the kids at church, they looked at me like that. And the only reason they did is because I had candy for them. <laughs> so I'm like, bro, this is crazy. I'm like, this is this. But I'm like, all right, let me focus. Let me focus. Let's see what happens here. Right. So we go sit down. The couple's like right across from us. And I'm telling y'all, she was locked into this guy. I'm talking about video game. We have the target locked in. I mean, there was nothing that was going to get in this girl's way of listening to whatever this guy had to say. I mean, the way that he chewed the sandwich, she was locked in on him, right? And so here's the environment in the restaurant, right? It's loud. People are calling out orders. There's kids doing stuff. There's people running around. There's people in there having serious conversation. There's people in there trying to solve problems. It's freezing. It's literally negative six outside. They're sitting right next to the door. So every time the door opens, that wind comes completely in and hits everybody. I'm telling you guys, nothing could have happened to let that girl stay not locked into that guy. She was locked in. She was locked. And so as I thought about that, I think about, you know, the attributes of God. And and I think this is a lesson that we're going to do uh, down the line, right, which I'm excited about that. I think we're going to do this down the line. But thinking about God and sometimes the human, not the human nature, but the human characteristics that God has. You think you think about what we're going to talk about today, how God looks at us. Then you think about the Psalms with David. God hears as we do. You think about we walk with him. Right. As it says in Colossians, we think about from Genesis chapter one, the voice of God, let there be light. Right. So when we think about this conversation today, as, as she was so locked into Hercules, think about what the Hebrews writer told us to do. Hebrews chapter 12, the Hebrews writer tells us looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so there's a concept with wanting to be locked in and so focused on Christ that no matter what's happening around us, we're just listening and we're looking and we're trying to please and we're trying to imitate him. Nothing was going to stop that young lady from getting her eyes off of this guy. Nothing was. And so I I, kind of thought about that for myself as we're starting this conversation, I kind of thought about, you know, what are what are things and have my eyes been on Christ? Have your eyes been on Christ? And, and what we want to talk about just for the next couple moments is my eyes are set on you. My eyes are set on you. You know, you think about what Christ came here to do. He came not only to die for us, John 3, 16, but he came to reset our vision. And he came to reset how we looked at God and how we will look at him, the Messiah. And some saw it, some didn't see it. Same thing today. Some see it, some just, some still don't want to see it. But I love the concept of how the Bible uses God looks and God sees. And I think that's an important thing for us as we kind of grow together and we study is having the ability to look at God and have our eyes completely set on him, no matter what's happening around us. Here's here's kind of the first example that I want to use. In 2 Kings uh, chapter 6, this is an awesome example here. 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, beginning like in verse, 
like 15. What we tend to do instead of focusing on Christ, many times we'll focus on the problems around us. And if anybody's guilty of that, I'm I'm very guilty of that. You guys ever you guys ever realize that when things are kind of going smoothly, it's easier to to focus, it's easier to do what you have to do, it's easier to help other people, it's easier to to do pretty much almost everything. But when things start to fail, or not even fail, but when you when you feel things starting to fail, then isn't it if you're like me, doesn't your mind race like a thousand miles per hour? So then you're looking at what you gotta handle, right? Your responsibilities, but then you're also at the same time trying to fix other problems that may or may not even be here yet. So now <clears throat> instead of having my eyes and your eyes completely focused on Christ my mind and your mind, we're going everywhere. I mean, we're, we can't even focus on what's happening in front of us. I mean, we talked about this, guys, in our uh, in our Jonathan series. What was the problem with Saul? Remember when we saw that he was he was in his court going back and forth babbling? He's thinking in his mind and he is so fearful that he's trying to figure out every single detail. He's trying to figure out what other people are thinking. He's trying to figure out what he what he should and shouldn't do and how he can keep his position all these things are happening, but there's, I think for us guys, I think we kind of take this for granted and I'll put myself in this too. I think if we truly focus our eyes on Christ, I think that can help us with other things. I think it can help us with our, our perspective. I think it can help us with our mindset. I think it can help us with our peace and ultimately it helps us with our faith. But here in 2 Kings chapter 6, there's an instance here where the Syrians that we're going to see, the Syrians want to attack the Israelites. And now they send an entire army. And now you have Elisha here understanding that this army is coming. But I want you to see the two different perspectives. Now, remember, keep keep your mind on our phrase, my eyes are set on you. That's our podcast title. Keep your mind on that phrase. So 2 Kings uh, chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots, the Syrian king, right? He sent horses and chariots uh, and a great army there. And they came by night. And notice what the text says. Not only did they send horses and chariots, but they literally surrounded the city. Isn't that an interesting word? Let's stop right there for a second. Isn't that an interesting word the Bible tends to use? The the warriors and the chariots and the horses, they surrounded the city. Have you guys ever felt um, maybe by problems, maybe by issues, maybe things that are either there or not there? There is a level that sometimes you can feel is you feel completely surrounded. I love how the Bible uses that term. It's almost like, and I've used this phrase before, it's almost like the problems and the issues that are around you, it's almost like a, a bear hug that, that constantly grips on you, that the more you think and worry about it, the tighter that hug gets. And so the situation here is they're surrounded. And when you're surrounded, the number one option of escape is gone. It's gone when you're surrounded or even when you feel surrounded your mind wants to escape, but your mind and your eyes have convinced you that there is no escape. So not only does the surrounding hurt, 
But the fact that you can't do anything, that hurts too. So it's it's almost like a um it's almost like a double-edged sword in a way. It's almost like a double-edged sword in a way. So that's the image that's being painted here. They're surrounded. Then watch this. Um verse 15. So when the servant of the man of God, that's Elisha, so his servant, when the servant of the man of God went out early, there was an army, here's our word again, surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And a servant said to him, Master, what are we going to do? Isn't that the question we all ask too? I have no idea. How many times have you, maybe you're asking yourself this right now as you're studying or in the car or walking. I have no idea what I'm going to do. And maybe you're one of those people that are, um, you're very meticulous in how you plan and how you move and how you do things. And it may be to the point for you where you feel like I've, I've literally almost tried everything. I've tried to figure out this way. It didn't work. I've tried to figure out this way. It didn't work. I've tried to wait and it didn't work. I've tried to do this and it didn't work. So in your mind, not only are you surrounded, there's no escape. But then now you're asking the same question that this servant is asking Elisha. What are we going to do right now? You guys ever, ever ask yourself that question? I have no idea. What am I going to do? What are you going to do? So now notice what happens. Verse 16. So he answered. Now watch how this connects with our Jonathan series we just did. And if you haven't listened to that, please go back. That series on fear with Jonathan and Saul, please go back and listen to that because that will really explain what we're talking about. But for those that listen to it already, notice what Elisha tells his servant that feels surrounded. There's no escape. And he's asking the question, what am I supposed to do right now? Watch, watch how Elisha answers the question. So he answered and said, verse 16, do not fear. Now let's stop right there. Have y'all seen, uh, like maybe at church or maybe your niece or your nephew, or maybe your son or daughter, whatever the case might be, you've seen a little kid, right? And a little kid is panicking over something or the little kid is nervous to do something. Right. And you ever see that kid panic? And then he starts to cry. He or she cries and says, I can't do it. And maybe that kid breaks down. And have you ever seen a parent or a brother or a teacher or a coach or whatever the case might be, they come up to that kid and they tell the kid, don't fear and don't panic. But sometimes what does that make them do more? It makes them panic more because that doesn't solve my problem. And sometimes, and I'm going to be honest with you too, as we're studying this together, we see that phrase, do not fear. What did Jonathan always tell David? Do not fear. And you think about what God tells us. Sometimes, sometimes it feels like a, it feels like an oxymoron. It's like, how, how am I seeing what I'm seeing, seeing what you're seeing? There's no escape. So in your mind, you've probably convinced yourself nothing around you is changing. So there's no escape from being surrounded by it. And then you're asking yourself mentally, what are you going to do? And then somebody or even God himself through the scriptures or through someone else says, do not fear. I think sometimes some of us get even, even matter. Wait, what, what are you talking about? Do not fear. You don't feel surrounded. You don't feel like this. You haven't gone through this. You don't have to, you don't understand. So sometimes when, when people or even God himself, when he says, do not fear, sometimes that ignites a bigger fire within us, if we're being honest, doesn't it? 
And that's kind of a, that's an interesting road of faith. As I'm kind of sitting here and studying with you guys and trying to understand that as well of what the Lord wants us to see. I mean, it, it's a, it's a very, um, it's, it's humbling, but it's also a trusting move to almost, I don't want to say let go, but to trust God in that moment where you feel completely surrounded where you feel completely surrounded. And I'm just, I'm, I'm being honest with you guys. I'm not the best at that. I'm not the best at that. And, and if I'm being honest, I understand where this servant's coming from in second Kings. I get it. I would have, I'm going to be honest. If this, if I would have been that servant, I would have done the same thing. I would have done the same thing we're, we're surrounded. What are we going to do? And then all you're saying is do not fear. Come on. You're not giving me an answer. You're not giving me something to do. You're not giving me something to say. You're not giving me somewhere to go. You're not giving me any answers. And I think we get mad at God and we get mad at others for not having those answers and things that we want. And then our lives, our view of God, our view of our friends, our view of other things around us, it gets so skewed to where we live this um, we live this kind of apathetic lifestyle. Well, God's not going to help me anyway, so... I feel like, and, and this can go with anything. This can go with something you want in your life, something that went wrong in your life, something you want to happen in your life, and then it doesn't happen or you don't get an answer or whatever the case might be, then you can live your life almost kind of like this apathetic, look, the Lord's not going to do nothing anyway. I mean, I'm not going to go and, I'm not going to go and live a riotous life, you know, like they did in Luke, like the prodigal did in Luke 15. I'm not going to go and and curse people and do wrong and do like, I'm not going to be a bad person, but I'm also not going to sit here. And here's the phrase that we use. I'm not going to sit here and be delusional and believe the Lord's going to do something when he hasn't. I'm, not, I'm just not going to sit. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to be realistic. I'm going to sit here and be realistic. Here's something that I'm understanding about faith. Being realistic is a smart thing to do. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be, or we shouldn't have a realistic mindset. I'm not saying that. But with faith, the things that God tells us to do and wants us to do, sometimes they're not going to seem realistic. They're not going to seem realistic. And so in our minds, when something doesn't seem realistic, and then sometimes that makes us shut down even more too. You know, think about in the book of Numbers. Think about Joshua and Caleb. They're the only two that said, hey, look, we can overtake this land. Now, to everybody else in the land, guess what? It didn't seem realistic. There's no way we could do it. We're grasshoppers. It's not possible. But why was it possible for two, but it wasn't possible for the rest? You know, you, you even think about Jesus' teaching, right? When he talked about forgiveness. Well, Lord, remember what Peter said? Well, Lord, how many times am I supposed to do this? Seven? How many times am I supposed to forgive them? Seven times? No, 70 times seven. Well, well, Lord, what is that realistic? You see what I mean? Sometimes faith doesn't faith doesn't always equate to your rational mind. And I'm going to be honest too. I think I think there has been there has been moments in all of our lives where we missed an opportunity to exercise faith because in our minds it didn't seem rational. 
And because it didn't seem rational, instead of being like Joshua and Caleb, we were like every everybody else in the nation of Israel. And again, I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't you should go into situations completely blind and just make make ridiculous uh, decisions based off of emotion or based off like I'm not I'm not advocating for that. The Lord, the Lord understands about wisdom. Even Jesus teaches in the book of Matthew and Mark and Luke, Jesus teaches about if you're going to build a building, don't you count the cost before you do it? So I'm not saying you're going to do things just flippantly or, or how the wind takes you, but there's going to come a time where this doesn't make sense right now. And to this young man, we're surrounded and I'm done. There's nothing we could do here. And Elisha said something to him that didn't make sense. Don't fear. Don't fear. Notice, let's keep reading. Verse uh, 16. So this is Elisha. So he answered and said, do not fear. For Watch how he answers this. For those who are with us are more than those that are with them. <clears throat> Here's another thing about being surrounded. Is when you feel surrounded by situations, by things, maybe even by your own emotions and your own mind. When you feel surrounded, here's what's interesting about that. When you're surrounded, obviously you can't see a way out, but here's what's interesting about that. My question is, if this man is in the middle, so let's, let's imagine that this servant's in the middle. And then he's completely surrounded. So there's no way for him to go out. So he's surrounded in this circle. Here's my question. So if the young man's surrounded by the army, then my question is who surrounds the army? So the circle that we're always afraid of, there's always another circle surrounding that circle. But because we can't see the outer, 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 outer circles, we only see that tight circle that we see. And this is what Elisha is teaching this young lad here. Those that are with us are more than those that are around us right now. I think that that, that would have been that would have been so comforting, wouldn't it? Whose eyes is Elisha set on? Just like that girl looking at Hercules, right? Whose eyes is Elisha set on? I'm just looking at the Lord. Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of sometimes a thing that doesn't sound rational. And what is that? The author and finisher of our faith. Hmm. And again, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm, I'm working. I'm, I'm not I'm working. I'm trying to get better at letting the Lord work. I think that's been my problem is me trying to work and figure things out. I'm trying to do better in just letting the Lord work, but I need to get better at having faith that the Lord is working. That's what I have to get better at. And maybe maybe you're in the same boat as me, but I'm just being 100% transparent and honest with you guys. That's that's where my work has lacked is believing that the Lord is working. And then two, what Elisha said, Believing that the Lord is also surrounding too. Don't we sing a song? One of my favorite songs is saying, surround us, Lord. Surround us, Lord. I, I love, and the song literally just repeats that over and over and over again. 
Surround us, Lord. Surround us, Lord. Surround. And it's just a reminder. Not only is the Lord our shield and our comforter and our light and our path and our way, he surrounds us too. And we have to remember the things that are real, that really do surround us. God is real too. And if, if, if a problem, if my own mind, if, if whatever the case might be, if that can surround me, why can't God surround me either? It, it, it takes more faith to look at it like that. And I got more, more work to do. So then verse 17 or verse 16. Now, remember, what's, what, what are we talking about? We're talking about having our eyes set on you. This is crazy. Watch what happens. Verse, verse uh, 16. So he answered, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those that are with them. Then verse 17. And Elisha, what did he do? What does your Bible say? <clears throat> he prayed. See, right there. When you're surrounded and y'all know what it feels like, like that little kid I talked about who is just completely just nothing is going to comfort that kid. There's a moment that we've all faced in our lives, or maybe you're you're in it, you're in the thick of it right now, possibly. But there's a moment in all of our lives where this surrounding is so distracting, you don't even know you're distracted. And and again, I've been there too. Prayer sounds so easy, doesn't it? Prayer sounds so easy, doesn't it? Well, pray without ceasing. The Lord hears our prayers. The Lord, Lord, hear me when I call, right? We, we understand the concept of prayer. Luke chapter 11, what do the disciples say? Lord, teach us how to pray, right? We understand the concept. We understand how to approach our God, all these things. We understand, you know, Matthew chapter seven about asking and seeking and knocking and all these things, asking for his help and his presence. But the moment I feel completely panicked, I feel completely bear hugged and surrounded. I feel like I can't see that outer circle that God is there surrounding what's surrounding you and surrounding me. Guess what? Guess what's the one thing I forget to do? And maybe you as well. You forget to pray because you know what prayer takes? Prayer takes a certain level of focus. And I've missed that point. Prayer takes a certain level of focus and it takes a certain level of mental clarity to pray. So when things are just, I mean, think about Job. Everything was taken from him simultaneously. That's a whole nother study we may go into, but the simultaneous taking away and the simultaneous pain and hurt and his mind, imagine his mind completely everywhere. And he had enough mental stability to stop. And we don't know how long that prayer was. That prayer could have been, that prayer could have been 15 seconds, but he had enough mental clarity. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be his name. Six, six or seven seconds. What Satan wants us to do, and isn't it interesting too, another point, what surrounded Job? Remember the Bible said, remember what Satan himself said? He said, you have a hedge. So what does that imply? He's surrounded. 
So then what if all this stuff is a distraction? If he can get you off of prayer and if he could get your mind, even if it's for a couple seconds, if I let this happen, if I allow this, if I take this away, if I allow people to say this, if I allow people to do this, his or her mind is getting off of prayer. And therefore, I am cutting off Jordan's and I'm cutting off, put your name there. I'm cutting off his his or her connection to God. That's my goal. That is Satan's goal to cut off your connection. And then if he cuts off our connection, then whose eyes were not were not set on him. Now I'm set on me. Now I'm set on the issue. Now I'm set on what's surrounding me. Now I'm freaking out. See what I mean? See what I mean? Look at how the Bible just, but look how easy it is to gloss over all this stuff. When we read the Bible, guys, hey, slow down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's slow down. Look at how we're breaking this down. This is, we're always, we're, we read literally three or four verses and we're 30 minutes in. That's crazy. Elijah prayed. Man, just the sometimes and sometimes we think too, in order for a prayer, if you're going through something or if something's extremely difficult or if you're extremely surrounded, for some reason in our minds, whether we've convinced ourselves or because of what we've been taught, sometimes we think our prayers have to be this long, eloquent, extremely insanely detailed. And if it's not, God's not gonna. Think about Esther. When Esther went in to see the king, she could have died because she wasn't called. She prayed. Guess what? That prayer, guess how long that prayer could have been? Like two seconds. Lord, help me. It could have been literally two seconds. But that two seconds was enough to be connected to God. Think about Nehemiah. Nehemiah did the exact same thing. I have only a couple seconds. Lord, be with me. Sometimes that's all it takes. But think about this. If sometimes that's all it takes, sadly, how many of us don't even do that? We don't even have two seconds. to. Okay, Lord, help me on this. Help me on this conversation. Help me on this visit. Help me on going over here. You know what I mean? It, it just takes a second. It doesn't always have to be this long drawn. Now, does it mean that you shouldn't have more time to talk to God? Absolutely. We should talk to him long and, and often when we have the opportunity as a friend. But there's moments when you're surrounded. I got a couple seconds. Let me just give me give me three seconds. Give me a second. You know what I mean? That's all we need. So Elisha prayed verse 17 and watch what he says. Lord, now remember, what are we talking about in this podcast today? My eyes are set on you. Watch what he says. Elisha prayed and he said, Lord, I pray that you open his eyes. That's insane. <laughs> that's insane. Lord, I pray that you open his eyes. You know, that's a prayer, to be honest with you. I'm going to be real. I'm going to pray that for myself more. But I'm going to start praying that for, for people that I know more. Lord, please open his eyes. It may not even to be, you know, for good or bad thing. Lord, please open up her eyes. Open up this family's eyes. Open up. I need to start praying that more. Lord, open up his eyes. Sometimes, you know, that's a that's a prayer when we're surrounded that we need to pray to. Lord, I, I just need my um I just need my eyes open, please.
Lord, open his eyes that he might see. Then watch what the text says. Verse 17, then the Lord opened the eyes of that young man and he saw. Think about that. The Lord opened the eyes of that young man and he saw it. Well, what did you see, young man? What were you seeing before? I saw myself surrounded before. I saw myself bear hugged by all the things going down and everything that's happening in your life presently, past, and maybe something that hasn't even happened in the future. And then I'm running to Elisha and I'm asking him, what in the world am I supposed to be doing right now? That's what I'm seeing right now. What are you seeing now? And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. <laughs> Elisha can see. This young man can't see yet, but now he can. Think about how awesome that scene. I kind of think of it as like when this happens in scripture, you guys, you ever see, maybe you wear it. But you ever seen somebody wearing contacts? I wear clear contacts too. So when you wear contacts, you know, you kind of have that film, right, of the contact when it's on. But when you take the contact out in front of the mirror and you slide that film off of your eye, it's almost like that you're taking a veil away. And when when I see this in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, it's almost like this young man's eyes was so clouded and God just for a quick second took away that veil and saw what was really there. There's more happening that you can see. And then he put that veil back. On. I was like, whoa, wow. I, wow. That's a different type of view. But God's the only one that can let us see stuff like that. That's why we have to humbly ask him. Verse 18. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha, second time, what did Elisha do? The Bible says Elisha prayed a second time. See, here's, here's our problem too, and my problem too. Okay, so I understand at the beginning when I can't see, okay, I'll pray to God when I can't see. But when God allows me to see something, okay, I'm, I'm raring to go now, so I'll just go. Look at the wisdom of Elisha. When the young man couldn't see, what did Elisha do? He prayed. When the young man can see, what did Elisha do again? He prayed. Here's what we do as well. Sometimes when we see, sometimes we still don't have the humility to pray even when we see something. So sometimes that arrogance and sometimes that pride and sometimes that um, ego, sometimes it could kick in when you see something, when the Lord allows you to see something. The humility of, of Elisha, let me show you. When you can't see, you pray to the Lord. When you can see, you thank him for letting you see something. You have to, we have to be humble in both states. Beautiful thing. So Elisha prayed to the Lord and he said, now watch the, uh, the irony behind all this. So Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, I pray. Strike them down with what, Elisha? Strike them down with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. <laughs> Isn't that interesting The how ironic that is? The young man that can't see can now see. And the army that surrounded him 
that he did see, now that army can't see. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that amazing how our God works? It's amazing how he works. And then verse 19, Elisha said, this is not the way, nor this is not the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man who you seek. <laughs> and so now Elisha is leading these people that are blind. Remember Jesus used that reference, the blind leading the blind. Sometimes when we do things of our own accord, even as followers of Christ, sometimes we can still be the blind leading the blind too. But I love how the Hebrews writer, he always mentions, look, look to him. What did everybody in Hebrews 11 do? They had to look to somebody. Look to him. Isn't it interesting that all throughout the book of Matthew, that Jesus extends the greatest invitation almost through every chapter in the book. He always says, come to me. Or when somebody was sick or somebody was afflicted or somebody that Jesus healed, the text always said that person came to Jesus. The book of Matthew is the greatest invitation book. Come to me. And many times, I think a lot, I can't speak for you, but myself, maybe this is you. But we've been doing a lot of claiming over the years. I've been doing a lot of claiming over the years. Oh, I follow Christ. I love him. I want to serve him. I want to be dependent on him. I want to trust him. I want to do what he wants me to do. All those things, all good claims, all good claims. But when it comes down to looking at him and praying like this, it's next level stuff, man. Next level stuff that um, I want to be humble enough to let the Lord let me unlock or let him unlock, not me. Let the Lord unlock within me. I can't do that, man. It, it, but he's the one that gives the strength and the power to let me do that. And to be so focused on everything around and what's not happening and, and the possibility of things. Never, I mean, you know what I mean? Like. You can stay in that mindset, but you're constantly, and here's the danger of that mindset. We already got a lot of stuff surrounding us. There's no purpose in you surrounding yourself. So now it's like an after image of you and you're surrounding your own self. And, and, and that's kind of like the, um, I, I don't know. That's kind of like the nail in the coffin there. When you get to the point where so many things and all these things surround you, and then all of a sudden, now you're surrounding yourself. Now you got to fight yourself, and now you got to fight everything around you. Whew. It's different. Now watch verse 20. And so it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open up the eyes of these men that they might see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw that they were inside Samaria. Here's a whole nother level of setting our eyes on Christ is look at what Elisha did. These men were there to kill, to kill people, to kill Israel. But notice Elisha wanted his enemies to see. 
you know, there's sometimes it doesn't feel like enough at times when you pray certain things. But if we say we trust God like we like we claim to. Imagine Elisha's prayer. Lord, these men that have had intent to kill your people and possibly kill me in the process of that. Lord, I pray that these enemies of mine and Israel and you, I pray that you open their eyes. It takes faith to ask God to open the eyes of an enemy too. But how many times do we just want to, well, I'll handle it. Oh, I got it. Or I'll start flipping stuff. I'll start going crazy because this has got to get handled, right? So I got to do something out of my own strength because if I don't do it, I'm not doing this right. Man, come on now. I'm not saying there's not time for, there's not time for discipline. There's not time for correction. I'm not saying that. But I am saying there's times where we think we are the correction. Sometimes we think I am the law. And last time I checked, I'm not and you're not either. So there has to be a level of humility with this to Lord, open their eyes. And if there's things that I need to see within this. So remember what is what is remember, even even in the New Testament, in the book of Galatians, those that are spiritual restore such a one. But as you're restoring such a one, you best consider yourself lest you fall into the same thing that they're doing and you become your enemy. You better consider yourself. And I think that's where we slip up. We see somebody, we see unrighteous things happening. And then because of our reaction, then our, our reaction is unrighteous. So what could have Elisha could have said here? Hey, Lord, strike them down with fire. He said, Lord, just strike them with blindness, but then open their eyes. You see the self-control and the meekness that it takes to look to Jesus Different stuff, right? Here's, here's, here's the last thing I want to look at. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12, the Bible says this. O our God, will you not judge them? We have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. What's happening in 2 Kings chapter 6? A great multitude and seemingly... I. Lord, I got nothing. I can't. I've tried. There's nothing I could do here. I'm literally powerless. There's nothing I could do here. We have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. And this is crazy. Watch what else they say in 2 Chronicles 20. And also, man, this is a prayer I need to start praying too. And also, we don't know what to do. You know, that's okay, guys. You know that's okay to pray to God. I don't know what to do. Preachers, fathers, you, you know, uh, young men that are that are leading and, and helping and young ladies, you know it's okay to come to God in private and even in a prayer setting in public. Did you know it's okay to add to tell God, Lord, I don't know what to do? Guess what that shows? It shows God that you're you're not trying to figure this out. Lord, we don't know what to do here. But how many times have we just tried to figure every problem? Lord, we don't know what to do here. But we know you do. And watch how the verse ends. 
O our God, will we not judge them? We have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. We don't know what to do. And watch how the verse ends. But our eyes are set on you. We need to start praying that more. It's families and leadership meetings and worship assemblies. Lord, we don't know what to do. But Lord, we want to let you know that no matter what happens, our eyes are set on you and we ask that you continue to open our eyes to what we need to see. Man, that's different stuff. Are my eyes, are your eyes, are we set on Jesus? I got a lot of work to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? I got a lot of work to do. Uh, maybe you do too. This has been a, um, <laughs> no pun intended, a eye-opening study, right? It, it's just been incredible. And I had more stuff, man. I had more stuff. But this is this is just beautiful to look at this as we study and grow together. And, and guys, please reach out. You know, you're not the first one and you won't be the first one. There's been times where people's reached out through Facebook, Instagram, DM, whatever the case might be, and they reach out and they, through YouTube comments, right? They'll, we'll pray. You know, we'll ask the Lord for help. We'll ask the Lord for wisdom. You're not in this by yourself. So let's all have our eyes set on our God together. Man, this is this is awesome, guys. I'm so glad you guys are here. Appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Um, Lord willing, we'll be back with another podcast on Monday. We actually should be back in the studio, so... Um, make sure you look out for the video on YouTube. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Anything we can do, let us know. And Lord willing, we'll see you guys on Monday. Thanks guys.